0: And welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? You know what's so funny to me? I I know I've definitely talked to you about this, and I've made some jokes here and there on on Twitter, but... I've poked fun at how we're kind of the slow pokes of the MCU podcast community just because of the, the time it takes for us to release our episodes on the Disney Plus shows. Yeah. It is very fitting that the last episode of 2021 is the last episode of Hawkeye. And I'm really tickled by how that is aligned here for us this week. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? It's it's so funny. Like, I haven't done a lot of Christmassy things. You know, just to add on to that whole slow poke mentality, it's just like <laughs> Christmas is almost here and it's like I haven't really done Christmassy stuff and I need to finish the Christmas shopping. But it's weird. Like we just gave my three kids today as – and I have to give this the context. So today as we record on the 23rd of December, they got their Christmas gifts today.
0: <laughs> it's wild. I, I mean we've talked about it so often how – WandaVision started and it feels like it has just been peddled to the metal since then. But to be here at this last episode of 2021, it's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling. And, and I most importantly just want to let people know that we're we're so thankful for everybody that's been listening this year. Because uh, it's been a wild year as far as getting new listeners, putting out new episodes. And I don't know. I'm feeling overly sentimental, which I guess is appropriate for th- this time of year.
1: I love this time of year. I really do. Mm-hmm. I generally get super sad on January 2nd, and I always have, and it's one of those things where I feel like the fall season, it's just, there's a change of the weather, it feels fall, there's like a slow build of holidays.
0: The fall is the the exhale of the year, and uh, I don't know, it it feels good to be at the, the, I guess the pinnacle of it as we get ready for Christmas and New Year's here soon. Yeah. But of course- Speaking of things coming to an end, we are here with season one, episode six of Hawkeye entitled So This Is Christmas. Uh, The way we're going to do this is we have some pre-spoiler thoughts where we're going to talk about the episode without spoiling it. So if you haven't seen the episode, this is a chance for you to listen in and see what we thought without being spoiled. After that, we'll jump into the spoiler zone where it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. And again, because of the proximity of Spider-Man No Way Home, I am going to remind people once more that because of the limited access with going to the theaters, Spider-Man No Way Home and Eternals will be exempt from the spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen those either, uh, we will not discuss those films as well. Mm -hmm. So with that being said... Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for the finale of Hawkeye?
1: Oh, man. Okay. The first thing I was about to lead with, and I just stopped myself because you said finale, uh, was probably more for the whole show. No, I'm going to go with it. This is my favorite. This is my favorite series and show. The finale, I think they landed it. You know, I mean, we'll get into it. I think there's a couple of things they could have done different. You know, Um, I like to backseat right. But (laughs) Us? Uh, yeah, uh, but overall, like as far as the finales go, especially thinking about the four shows we got through 2020 2021, dear lord, (laughs) 2021,
0: yeah, 2021, and also five shows, sir. Uh, I
1: was was
0: (laughs) The, the what if, yeah,
1: you're kind of okay. Well, I was thinking just live action.
0: I got you. I'm teasing.
1: So, yeah. No, no, no. Like, in my head, I was just thinking live action um, because we, for me, what if is still something a part of the MCU rather than a part of it. Although we know that that's changing, you know. But in my head, just the live action Disney Plus shows. This one's, I think, is my favorite. And as far as finales go, it is 1B to loki's 1a as an individual episode finale oh
0: wow i really like the way that you put that
1: yeah so pre-spoiler thoughts for trey this is better than the truck it's not as good as party thor am i right
0: You nailed it, man. I feel like I can kick back this episode. Why don't you go ahead and take over for me? I'm glad you got at least one more in before we end the year. (laughs) 2021's ending. Um, And the joke will never end. (laughs) You know what?
1: No, we'll we'll have to find, we'll have to find something else in the next set of shows.
0: Oh man. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, you know what? My pre-spoiler thoughts, I'm going to play off the way you did it, one series as a whole, and one on the finale in particular. You know, sticking with the pre-spoiler thought I put on social media, uh, I wrote, episode to episode, I've enjoyed the series, but as a whole, it feels like it fumbled Clint's story here at the end. And if you've been listening to us week to week, you know I spotlighted what I was concerned about last episode, and it feels like that has followed into this one. But That was because, I mean, I texted you immediately after I watched it and I was a little upset with the finale. But having watched it multiple times since then, I've realized how much the issue I have really stems from episode five. And I have tried to focus on just this finale as a whole. And I think the pre-spoiler thought, the second part of the pre-spoiler thought that I wrote that I'm really trying to zone in on is that, Kate and Yelena are undeniably the future of the MCU, and that, at least for me, is rock solid throughout the finale, and that has me really enjoying what they've put here in this sixth episode.
1: For as little screen time as they had, man, you're right, rock solid.
0: Yeah. If you listened to our, our in-tag last week, we we spotlighted Tommy Lee Jones making the most out of a little. Kate and Yelena 100% made the most out of a little with their on-screen pairing. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. I think, uh, I think we can leave that there until we get into the spoiler zone. So like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to break it down into the most important topics, which is a way for us to discuss the episode without having to go scene by scene. The first most important topic we are going to discuss is party preparations. So, there are a couple of major things we need to touch on, which is we have a scene where Eleanor's confronting Fisk, uh, Fisk confronts Maya, and Kate and Clint get prepared for the party after the revelation of Eleanor's association with Fisk. So, starting with you, Jude, is there anywhere you'd like to start in particular?
1: Party preparations—it's a Christmas movie and show, like on Disney Plus. If you click their holiday collections, it includes Hawkeye. Like they're really pushing this hard as as Disney, and or uh, Disney's really pushing this hard as yeah as um, a Christmas. And that's what you do—you have Christmas parties, unless you're introverted, like us, where we just party amongst ourselves. Uh, I mean, family, but for the most part, it's just. Introvert's dream. Uh, But (laughs) anyways, (laughs) um, you know what? I am going to start with with the big guy, Wilson Fisk. Uh, I had mixed feelings about Wilson Fisk. And this part here, I really enjoyed. You know, um, I think I've seen and and read and even heard some stuff from from friends. You're going to fall into this trap of comparing them to the Netflix shows. I was wondering how Marvel was going to handle this, if they were going to, because in, in the Netflix and we did this, we did season one, they really build up to Fisk, you know.
0: Yeah, it's not until episode four, I think.
1: Yeah, but even when you start seeing him, you know he's the big bad, and it just becomes so much more intimidating and so much more menacing, you know. Um, that was one of the issues with my cousin Paul texted me about. He was like, it just didn't feel very intimidating, and I and I made me wonder. Did it was that because they're making an assumption on the audience's part of either being familiar from Netflix or we keep teasing as some big bads out there that we've set those seeds that eh, we've done enough so we can jump right into it. Or is there some assumption that we know who Kingpin is? So you jump right into it. Like, I, I'm just, I'm curious what the thought process was there, but for me, I really enjoyed that intro. Uh, I liked because I recognized the voice, and I and I think having that net, you know, the, the Wilson Fisk voice, and I think having that Netflix experience of him, for me, it was just like, ah, oh, that's Wilson Fisk. You know, it didn't seem out of place, if if that makes sense. So uh, the way he was acting, the lines,
0: temper, all of that. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, one have- of. One of my straight notes is our sweaty mob boss is back. And uh, that was one of the the humorous things that I I picked up on that they've carried over. But on a more serious note, something that I appreciated is when we spotlighted him in Daredevil, one of the things we kept highlighting was how at his core, he didn't see himself as a bad guy. He thought he was fair. He thought he was reasonable and that he would give people adequate chances so to hear him throw lines to eleanor like in the spirit of the holidays i'm going to give you one more chance to reconsider or whenever maya asking for some time off he goes that's reasonable it's it's the same fisk to me like that 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 presence is there as well as the the way he views himself and the thing that i well, 100 percent Definitely a people person. Well, you know what? That was it kind of segues into what I was going to say. If you haven't seen the Daredevil shows, he definitely has a troubled past. Like there is a reason why he's become that villain that we see him in that first season of Daredevil. And it is because of that childhood that was robbed from him. So some of that socializing isn't there. And the thing that I remember loving from that first season of Daredevil is that when he's trying to be sincere and trying to be the fair person, he often stumbles over his words and he's very awkward and very shy. But the thing that I think makes Fisk such a cool character or a compelling character is that his language is rage. And when he's angry, that is the most fluent his sentences are. And that is carried over here in this Hawkeye show. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, I like the way you put that because it, it really is um, and, and just the speech patterns. Vincent D'Onofrio is just he's he's Kingpin. Oh, 100%. Uh, so glad. Yeah. So glad they were able to bring him back and he was willing to do it. Now, it, I do find it interesting is like, again, it's just the the use of him throughout the episode. Um, I've already said my pre-spoiler thoughts. This, sh- this episode is 1B to Loki's 1A, right? But I did find it interesting and I'm really looking forward to going through all six episodes again now that they're out rather than the one at a time. Speculation's over. I know what happens. All that stuff and just take it in. Because my first note opens up on Kingpin with Eleanor to set her up as the villain. But this show didn't really have a person as a villain similar to to WandaVision. You know, I mean, like Fisk is supposed to be the big bad and, and that kingpin-ish kind of way but his it was always just this looming threat that never really it was like as long as we stay out of his radar we can do all of this you you know what i mean and it's like it it was there to give eleanor a reason but she wasn't really villain per se if, if that makes sense throughout the show yeah um and so and so i'm i'm you know, and, and looking back, going back and watching Wanda, uh, WandaVision, you know, Agatha Harkness really wasn't a traditional villain. And grief was the 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 main concept they're re- wrestling with. I want to go back and look through this again and see, okay, what are we wrestling with? What is that through line, you know? I mean, family's clearly part of it, but I'm just, I'm just curious. That I want to connect more of those dots because that's not... Um, I I just, by the end of it, didn't think of this show as having a villain in a traditional sense.
0: And I can see that because, again, like you said, they allude to Fisk. He doesn't really show here, show until here in this finale. Um, And even, and I'm kind of speaking broadly here, I know this isn't part of the most important topic, but I often found myself wondering, okay, what is the overall objective here? A lot throughout this episode, like I understood the, the... the minor conflicts, because you had, you know, Clint versus Yelena, you had Maya versus Kazi, you had Kate versus Fisk, but nothing felt like um, a major, like how we talk about the villain brings out the best in the hero because it is the manifestation of the thing they're wrestling with. I was listening to you and trying to figure out, okay, what is that here in this episode and or the series? And I don't know if I have a complete answer yet. So I I would like to revisit it the same way that you are bringing that lens to it too.
1: Yeah. I, hopefully, I will have a good answer for the wrap-up episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we are for sure going to do a wrap-up episode. I know we took a break with what if uh, we will do one here for Hawkeye. You know, sticking with Fisk, though, uh, you did mention how we see the way Eleanor is connected to Fisk. Um, we finally got the suspicions confirmed. Uh, I want to be upfront and say I was wrong. Jack was totally a patsy. Uh I thought about it a lot in this episode. I think I was just blinded by how much I enjoyed the actor, that I wanted him to be something more, but we could talk about it later, but just again, yeah. resigning to what a doofus I wanted yeah. so much more from that actor yeah, but uh, you
1: know what i we'll talk about it more, but i I think he gave us a lot um by the end, and that's the other thing about watching this all together now, yeah, um, you know, but I, I do. You know, I remember thinking myself, okay, Eleanor killed Demond. Armand? Mm-hmm. Demond?
0: Armand. Uh, Armand the Third. Armand.
1: Armand the third. Um, you know, and so so again, it it wasn't a surprise to me that she was I didn't even want to use the word bad. Like, you know, but you get the idea of bad. Um and I thought they used Jack well. What I also what I really... I was go back to fisk i was really surprised how much of fisk we got um i do want to comment on the clothes he was wearing (laughs) i liked i i liked the first outfit and i know some people had issues with the hawaiian shirt later the only i guess timeline that was the next day that was that was, was really hard to tell of when my when maya like like he didn't shirt change shirts midday is what i'm thinking.
0: No, I'm taking it that like the Eleanor scenes are early on in the day. Because if we're taking the time that Kate receives the text message, that feels like breakfast. And so it feels like Yelena took the video, sent it to Kate, and then we saw that that was the same day. So later on in the day, it, it, it takes place over 24 hours is an easy way for me to summarize my thoughts. Okay,
1: okay. you know, And then I thought, again, I like the scene with Maya and Kazi um, and Fisk. I thought that was really well done. I loved the interaction between them. You know, it, it was interesting because they, they pulled it off very well, where it's like, Maya knew that they knew, and they knew that Maya knew, but they all just played it straight the best they could. And, and like, you could tell, uh, which is completely intentional and just good performance on their part. And that was that was so much fun. Um, but I, I do think there was an element, though, also of, like, truth, of when Kingpin did the I love you and Maya did that back of like the, the anger and rage that Maya had in like trying to avenge, use that word, avenge her father's death, you know, man, she basically was raised by Fisk. Like there's an element of like, I I think like she legitimate, like she wasn't just saying that to get out of the situation. Like she meant it. And you, you know what I mean? And, and there was, um, and I and I'm I'm just trying to I'm just thinking about like how difficult that situation must have been for Maya.
0: Yeah, we're definitely in the same space here. Uh, one of the things that I noted is how it's almost poetic that Kazi is the one to interpret for Maya because I, again, you brought up the word truth. Kazi is literally speaking the truth, despite him keeping that from her all these years, if we are to believe he is the informant and the reason that Maya's father is 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 dead um and if that is the case that that element of truth that he has to speak it, even though he hasn't revealed it to her, just plays into that feeling of the three of them all know what's going on, but nobody's actually owning up to it uh so I thought that was wonderfully done, and I think you spotlighted wonderfully the rage that Maya's feeling and how that has turned into hurt as well because of the the trust she used to have for Fisk and that genuine love, Fisk is equally hurt. And you can feel it in the way that he signs, I love you back. And so, you know, I know we haven't gotten there yet, but we're going to get to the point where there is a supposed cliffhanger where Fisk has been killed by Maya. I'm in the camp that I don't actually think he's dead. I think this scene right here is going to be a huge part of Maya's show Echo and I'm really looking forward to how they explore that because it even says something on Fisk's part that he is able to sign American sign language to her like it's it's and the way that you break bread with somebody or you try to speak somebody's language first even if you can't do it correctly it's a sign of respect and some and care so, I like that they had Fisk trying to sign even for a little bit with Kazi interpreting the majority of it. But he's genuinely trying there. so there there's a lot going on in that short scene,
1: oh, yeah. that was the other thing I would think, just as you mentioned all that, like how because I kept saying from the beginning, I want more episodes. I'm going to need more episodes. But they were super efficient with all of them and even in this one this sixth episode that my call for more episodes is more of a call now. Like before, it was a worry of like, man, how are they going to tell a story in six episodes? I think they did it. My call, my work, my call now is more of just being a selfish person and
0: <laughs> wanting more. How dare you want more? I know,
1: right? But, but like, so American of me. But like, they, they like, <laughs> um, especially at Christmas time. Uh, but like, yeah, they, they said so much was done in such a short space with just that quick conversation. And I just want to add on one little thing here as as well on that. I love that that the way you were forced in that that scene here to really pay attention because, like, I I mean, you get this. I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to go too overboard because I know we had the wrap up episode. But anytime Maya was on, you had to pay closer attention because of the subtitles and in, in the hand, the sign language. But that that really got you, especially in this interchange with Kazi, us pretty much assuming he's the informant, you know, knowing he's the informant and Fisk, like their facial expressions, you know, beyond the words and just paying that close of attention. And I and I think they're in some ways might have helped them be uh, efficient in that short period of time.
0: I, I totally see what you mean about it. it's. It's two people who command the scene. You have Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk and you have Aliqua Cox as Maya and the the American sign language and they are going well I'm trying to be careful here I'm assuming they're going to be central characters in the Echo show and it's wonderfully paired with people who are just commanding your attention every time they're on screen mm-hmm. yeah yeah I do want to say this I started to set it up but I'm realizing at least for me if you have anything you can add it but at least for me I'll have more to say about Eleanor and Fisk once we get to the end of our most important topics, Um, but I'll I'll put a pin in that for now. Uh, I do want to start moving into the direction of Kate and Clint's preparations here, and the thing that I think stood out to me the most is I'm glad we got that we're partner scene when we did, and I'm going to work through this because I, I don't even know how to explain it. I don't think Clint is lying, but the timing of the way he says it, we're partners now feels less of he truly believes she's ready and more that he trusts that she can, she can grow into that person to be the partner. And it's because he knows this is what she needs to hear in this moment because of the way that she's unraveling with this revelation of her mom and the things that she's been involved with. And, The second part of this opening scenes that makes me feel like this is whenever they're working on the arrows, uh, Clint stops and asks, I just want to be sure you're ready for this. Uh, To me, that is trust and vulnerability and sincerity, which feels like a nice place for Clint to be in, since that is one of his objectives as a character that we've been working on all season. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, again, I don't know if that's making sense or if he felt that way, but it's, it's, felt more special than it just being like, oh, Kate's here in this moment. We're going to be partners now. I think it's Clint giving her some leeway to trust that she can be this hero.
1: I I like the word. I like the way you're phrasing that out. I'm going to throw the word agency of just because she didn't. It was like Clint let Kate have the choice, you know, like you were saying, have that space. But he throughout the it's like throughout the series, he held her back. Not from a, it was like, it was like training wheels, you know, it's, it's, it's like riding a bike and holding the back of the seat, with and, and, you know, and then it was like, you have these training wheels, I'm gonna take that off, hold the back of the seat. And then it's like, okay. Are you ready? You say you want me to let go. Are you really ready? Like, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, because that's one of the things I wanted to write in my notes, but it didn't quite feel right, of how parental it felt. And I don't like I'm not trying to make any misunderstandings that Clint's trying to be a father to Kate, but there is something of that father child relationship of the way you put it beautifully, like holding onto the bike and trusting that they're gonna stay upright as you let go.
1: Yeah. And and that's what I mean about this agency. It was like it was still Kate's choices all the way, step of the way of, yeah, I want to do this. And he was very clear of like, this is what brings, brings about. This is what brings about. And coming into the last, this finale, it's like, it's hard. And, you know, and and she tried to say, look, I'm going to take care of this. And he's like, we're partners. Your mess is my mess. You know, but then it's like, but at the same time, you're 22 and this is your mom. And if you're not ready for this, it's okay. Okay. You know what I mean? And and so I liked that that came after the admitting we're partners, you know, because it could be completely different of like, you don't have to do this. No, I want to. Okay, cool. We're partners. You know, it's like, no, we're partners. Your mess is my mess. And I know it's your mess. And because of that, if you can't, if you don't think you can do it, it's okay. You know, it wasn't a, like, you can't, you're not a superhero if you can't do this. It's... Hey, it's okay, you know, and and I and I just love that that element of it. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. Yeah,
0: and I'm, I'm glad again. I'm still in love with the way you phrase it of the holding onto the bike and letting go because I didn't want it to be so simplified of me just saying like, oh, Clint told her because he knew that's what she needed to hear because that doesn't feel quite right either. It's it's trust, and that's that felt really good. And I like that Kate's answer is finally the right answer where she goes through like when I saw you. I knew I didn't have to be afraid because if you could do the things that you were doing and you can't fly and you can't shoot laser beams out of your hand, I knew I could do the same. And so she's walking through this realization like it is the verbal affirmation of the silent seed we got where she was in her room looking at all her trophies. The thing that makes her the hero is that even when she's afraid, she still wants to do the right thing. And that is the answer that Clint needed in that moment to affirm his trust as well. So it's a really great scene. Oh, yeah. Well, it's supposed to be scary. Yeah. One last thing as we're talking about these clint Kate scenes, I would love an extended cut of them working on all those trick arrows, not only because I think it's humorous, like especially the way that Kate was going through and labeling them with a label maker. But, you know, so often I think hopefully not anymore. Hopefully there's been some rehabilitation with the show, but so often Clint has been like the butt of the joke. It's like, Oh, he's just a guy who shoots arrows and is really good at it. But showing the process of him constructing those arrows and like filling them up with the different little mechanics that he needs and then prepping for his battle I think it adds to the image of all the skills that go into what he does it's not just that oh he can't miss he's got some know-how with these arrows which is really nice oh yeah
1: yeah I like how he's able to we see it in two ways really and we could probably see it in more if we really try to pick it apart but then but then we get kind of you know, at what, at what point are we getting too nitpicky? Um, where he utilizes other people's skill sets. You know, it was a cool thing to see the Pim Arrow, but the fact that he was able to bring back and make another Pimero Arrow and that he opened up this case, it had Stark tips, you know, and, and, and or stuff that he could use. And so his ability to, like, take what others do and incorporate that in to the Arrow was really cool.
0: Yeah. we How many movies do we have in the mcu where we see people using PIMtech or stark tech and it's going horribly wrong that alone speaks volumes to clint
1: like he drops a little bit of that on like the wrong thing and all those arrows are like in the table is like shrunk
0: yeah <laughs> it's gone oh man. well unless there's any more uh i think we can go ahead and move into the next most important topic all right Let's take a lap. Ooh, I like what you did there. The next most important topic is called taking a lap. And this is going to take us through Kate and Clint arriving at the holiday party uh, all the way through the first half of that confrontation with the tracksuit mafia in the ice rink. So we're starting with me this time. And I think the most standout part of this topic is 100% Kate and Yelena. You know, I talked about it in my pre-spoiler thought. Undeniably, they are the future of the MCU. They're so good, man. And and you're right that they don't have that many scenes together, but it is so... It's, it's wild that they become the favorite scenes every time they're in an episode together. Uh, and this one specifically, when they are in the elevator that silent moment before Kate tries to push all that, those buttons and Yelena slaps her hands and just goes, no, that will live rent-free in my head for years. Yeah. Well, and the Kate's like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. It speaks so much about them because, I mean, we know Yelena is super skilled as an assassin. She could dispose of Kate like nothing but it speaks to who she is that even though kate's being for lack of a better way of putting it annoying she she tolerates it and she's just trying to keep her at bay and it speaks to who kate is that who is someone completely outmatched that she keeps trying and it somehow works which is it's so good
1: so either we need to see this or this will be my headcanon somewhere yelena starts training kate as well like, she's going to have Yelena training and Clint Barton training.
0: Oh, that'll be so good.
1: Even if they don't show it, in my head, that has to... Because they've connected too well for, like, Yelena not to be like, yeah, when you jumped out that building, here's a better way to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, they're the legacy characters, right? They are the new Clint and Natasha it makes sense that they have built a camaraderie, so I I'm with you. I want to see that friendship and, and mentorship take place. And what's
1: so great about it is, how are you going to figure out what floor he's on? He's in the elevator. It's on twelve, like you know. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's just like it's like so simple, you know. But like Kate's like, like thinking she's so clever, right? <laughs> and like any other any other pair hops in the elevator and fights like he's but like you said all kate's trying to do is just push all the buttons and (laughs) is just like this is so annoying (laughs)
0: Uh oh man i wish i would have looked up what she says the 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 russian curse that she throws at Elaine at kate because it's so good you could feel the frustration in her voice
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Well, and then even another moment, like I love when it gets to that scene where they're just running through the office building and, and Kate is trying desperately to slow her down and sometimes succeeding as the way she makes her fall over on that chair. It it gets to the point where Kate is like locking the door and she's like, come on, what are we doing? Why don't we just go grab a drink? And, and Yelena's like, OK, yeah, after I kill Barton, like they yeah. <laughs> in any other world would be great friends. But it just so happens they're trying to. You know, stop this huge thing of of killing somebody. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and of course, when Kate hits her in the cheek and you're like, you just look at her like, what was that? But I just like that. (laughs) I know she said it. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, I love it. So if they're going to be the new Hawkeye Black Widow, were they pulling their punches? (laughs) 100%.
0: Like, like, like making Civil War? (laughs) I want to say yes, but poor, poor Kate. I think she's starting at pulled punches in comparison to Yelena. (laughs) Yelena is definitely pulling her punches. But I think that's where the admiration comes from because right before Yelena jumps out the window, uh, she's like, ow, that hurt. And then they start like admiring like, yeah, that was pretty good form. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, stop making me like you. (laughs) Well, you had the cool body throw.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it's... uh, I I think part of why, and there's no real analysis here, I'm just gushing. That's all I'm doing. I think part of why I loved, or it felt like there was so much, is just how well the chemistry of the two of them on screen, and just how well they bonded, and how phenomenal of a performance they did in such short a time. But also, I've rewatched all their scenes three or four times on both episodes, just I'm going to fast forward to our there scene and watch it. It's over. I'm going to rewind and fast forward to that and just watch it again. Cause I, I just, it was just so good.
0: Yeah. I, I think I'm right there with you. I, it's at this point, it's just gushing of how good they yeah. work together. Yeah. Um,
1: you know what? And, and again, it's about, I mean, you got to figure when was the runtime of this? 49 minutes.
0: Well, it was an hour and something that's including credits and post credits.
1: Okay. So
0: again, just super
1: efficient Having those two characters have those moments, um, intercutting with Hawkeye fighting. Um, well, they're eh, kind of fighting. I mean, the 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 Kazi, you know, when when Kazi was across the way in a, in a window, and then the the tracksuit mafia inside the building, and and doing all all of that, be able to cut back and forth between there. Um, super efficient, like really move the. I want to say story along, because even with it was just action, you got, especially with Kate uh, Bishop, you got to know even more of her and seeing her in action. Um, And then Hawkeye was just being Hawkeye, you know, and I don't mean that in a downplaying kind of way, but it was just super efficient. Um, of still getting something out of those characters in in these action sequences.
0: Yeah, I excitedly jumped to the Kate and Yelena stuff. But leading into this, like I was so excited because as much as the show was not openly, but you could just feel from the trailers as much as it was as it was pitched as the diehard of the MCU. I mean, this is Nakatomi Tower. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody's yeah. arriving, the dread setting in as Kate and Clint arrive, Eleanor arrives, Yelena arrives, you see Kazi. Like, there's this pressure that builds that finally lets go the moment Kazi shoots that first shot across the building, and it's... it's the way everything breaks loose is so good because you even have that wonderful moment where Kate confronts her mom and the delivery she had of you're the reason it's dangerous mom. Like that was such a huge moment for, for Kate's character Um, to speak to what you said about what it's showing of Kate, what it's showing of Clint and his consistency as just a, you know, he's doing his job. This is what he does and he's good at it. So,
1: okay. I'm, I'm curious. I know where I stand. How do you feel about them bringing the LARPers back in as their
0: assets? (laughs) I like it. I cannot help but think of the things that you have brought up this season about the way it's depicting these firefighters and police officers and how it's what commentary it's making that you see it here verbally. They don't get respect until they put on a suit. Which works funny in a funny way because it's like, oh, okay, people think they're superheroes just because they're in their medieval costumes, but it's weird that, like, the only reason they get respect is because of that. So I don't know if that's the intentional part of the show, but I don't know. It's, it's, I didn't feel that until the way you highlighted it, but for the most part, I enjoy it just because they're charismatic people and I'm excited to see them intertwined with the action.
1: Yeah. I, I love that they brought them back. Um, and use them as much as they did. And LARPing is not something I've ever done. It's something yet. I think it would be fun. I know. I, I I throw yet out. You threw yet out there, but but there was a silent yet. Um, just because I, I think I would go do it. Like, it just seems like it would be fun to go do. And I don't know, and I don't think I would actually be any good at it. So let me make that clear as well. But I still think it'd be fun to go to. And good is a very
0: subjective term, I guess, when it comes to larping um, <laughs> well, you could tell my viewpoint on larping, and this is hopefully not too disrespectful, but my viewpoint on larping it's like, well, how are you good at like i mean it's essentially the grown up version of like no, you didn't get me, I activated my force field kind of thing <laughs> well well i mean i guess I guess it's it's
1: the it's is it i'm I'm thinking of when I say not good at it, I think in my head I'm imagining like the character acting aspect of it and like the sword fighting and getting beat. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, like I would go do it and I'd have fun and there's no like, are you good or bad at it? But just kind of like th- letting myself go and get into the character and then like not getting my butt kicked with the sword.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think making my joke demonstrated how not to be good at it. And it's not playing into the believability. <laughs> 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 you know. Yeah, that, but, that's how again, you not be good at it.
1: <laughs> but again, I just i i liked that they used them at the beginning, but they but they were able to pull that all the way through. You know, uh, Grills was was awesome. I loved Grills. Did a lot with a short short amount of time. You know, and and so that was really cool for me to see them. You know, coming back. You know, and it's very classic hero's journey. You gather friends and allies. And that's what they did.
0: It was it was heartwarming because of the way they lean into it, and they even get the the callback of Gary because Clint is asking Kate like, "All right, what are our assets? What are our threats?" And Kate's like, "There's a threat," and I kind of like tense up for a second. There's Gary; he's the only one who fired me from the only job I've ever had, and it's like it's it's a funny little threat, and then to turn to the assets, and it's the Larpers like, yeah, it's it's. It reminds me so much to, to bring it to another tangent, but it, one of my favorite video games is Mass Effect 2, and part of it is you spend so long in that game building loyalty with your shipmates, and so whenever you get to the final part of the mission, how well you do depends on how much you've strengthened those relationships in the game. This is that in the TV show form. Because they took the time and had the sincerity and respect for those new friends, here they are at the final mission, and it, it pays out for them. hmm Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I want to pose this, though. You know, so much of of the show has been demonstrating Clint being an excellent marksman when it comes to his archery, but I'm starting to suspect that Clint's superpower is actually the ability to dodge bullets with sure shots because we had Kazi, who had him lined up with a sniper, and then we had Yelena, who who was running down the side of the building and had him point blank, and each time he has dodged the bullets. So... I'm starting to suspect that's his secret superpower in this series.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's, he's like the Flash. <laughs> oh,
0: man. You know, I, I've used that joke to set up what I want to talk about, but I do like that we got the Kazi-Clint hand-to-hand confrontation. I thought that was really well done. If I could nitpick it a little bit, I would have liked like It felt like this would have been the moment to have some sort of confirmation of Kazi's involvement with the potential uh, doing away of Maya's father, like uh, somehow letting Clint know. Um, I think this would have fit there and I would have added to the emotional stakes of their fight somewhat. Uh, but even without that, I thought it was still pretty enjoyable, especially the way Kazi's like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then Clint like, slams him to the ground and Clint's like, yeah, you're right. That was fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is where I'm going to have one of my first problems. Um, okay. I agree with you. The sequence was funny. Like I, I liked the sequence, but it felt out of place that Kazi would be doing that. Like, like, if I think through Kazi through the rest of the show, he never felt like a man, I'm going to enjoy this kind of, kind of guy. You know what I mean? He always felt like he was he was going along with Maya, and like he was there to kind of hold her back, and it it just seemed like such a, a switch for him,
0: for me. What's missing is partly what I talked about. I wish there would have been some confirmation of his involvement with the informant, and partly it's it's also what I talked about earlier in in feeling like I don't quite understand. The motivations of some of these these players here, like, I get the the basic, like, protect Eleanor, okay? One of my lingering questions, and we can get more into it whenever we do the wrap-up, it's still, like, outside of knowing the watch identity, which we'll get to later it it was never clear why that was so important to the tracksuit mafia. And we talked about it before. We at first believed it was Maya who was hunting that down, which may have insinuated she knew Clint was Ronan prior because why else would that watch be important to you? And then we suspected, well, maybe it was Kazi who was hunting down that watch because that was another way to ensure his involvement with that night that Maya's father was murdered wouldn't come into play. But other than just wiping out the the troublemakers for trouble's sake for the tracksuit mafia, it felt like they were missing an emotional motivation. And that was your moment to do it. So that's where I feel I can see how it was out of place for you, for the character.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. Like, like, I don't know who really was trying to get the watch originally. So it was the tracksuit mafia, but why? Who wanted it? And if they would have, like you said, if they would have taken that here... And truly just made it causey, you know,
0: give him something.
1: Right. It just, it just didn't. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, w- that would work. And that would make sense. Otherwise, as it stands, I'm like, I didn't dislike Kazi throughout the, the series, but that was a moment of like, mm, this didn't feel right. You know, I, I have wondered to what extent did they have to do rewrites and reshoots? Uh, well, let me rephrase it this way. I don't know, and I'm curious. When did Will, when did Vincent D'Onofrio come on board, and if he was kind of like a Spider-Man in Civil War, kind of late ad, and so okay, so we got to revise the script if that, if that's what we're feeling here. Some of those, okay, what are the script revisions we have to do because we're going to get to use this character and we didn't plan originally plan on it.
0: I know I'm going to be speaking out of my element here, so uh, I apologize and take it with some grain of salt, but I, I do feel like I remember there being a weird window in which people knew, okay, Disney's going to get the rights back from the Netflix shows at yeah. this point. So prior to this point, you can't even... Have plans for those characters because you don't have the rights to it. So, it I, I'm with you. Like, wh- at what point did it? They have that confirmation and they could do these things, and what that weighed into the showmaking, and at. The only reason I can also go out on this limb with you, I 100% think that's why we got the ambiguous end for Kingpin as kind of like, a, oh, okay, just in case things didn't work out, you know, we didn't dot our I's and cross our T's, we have an out with that. Hmm.
1: Yeah, so that was kind of weird.
0: And that's all speculative on our part.
1: Oh, yeah. 100% speculative, but it just, I remember watching, because I've seen this now three times, and in the second watch, there was a couple of things, it was like, that feels like a reshoot that feels like like just the way it was pieced together. Does that make sense? Because like you could have done this same thing, dropped Kingpin altogether, never have him show up, but always kind of hinting at some looming presence in the background, still had Eleanor as your mastermind, and still found a way to wrap all this up without having Kingpin ever show up. And so that's why I say I'm, I'm wondering to what extent was that like, some reshoots and rewrites to work Kingpin back in. Not saying that that's what they did, but that's what it felt like.
0: Well, moving along, after Clint and Kazi's confrontation, uh, we eventually get to the point where Clint launches himself out the window, uh, but the wire that he is hanging on to breaks and he finds himself in the tree. Uh, What did you think about Kate having to rescue Clint out of the tree there?
1: Okay, so there's part of me that wishes... Not that it didn't happen because I liked the moment, but there was part of me that was like, what is Clint going to do? How is he going to get out of this tree? Like, because he was, I'm I'm just wondering what his plan was because, like, he's Hawkeye, Clint Barton. I feel like he would have had a way out, you know, and he was in a good spot. He was taking a moment of rest. Uh, He wasn't ready to go down yet and and help.
0: He was Um, straight up chilling in that tree. Yeah.
1: You know, and Kate's like, screw this, get down here.
0: Um, he's, you know what? He's an older guy. He wants to take a quick breather. Nobody can see him. Found a new owl friend. Uh, I liked, I did like the sequence because
1: it gave her that whole sequence followed that up with the whole sliding on the knees of the ice and, and causing the steam or smoke, you know, whatever. Like that was a cool moment for Kate. Um, and she needed that moment. That was a leveling up moment. Um, You know, so I, and I heard use of, uh, the arrows to get the tree down. You have your typical, like, you know, on my signal, like they had earlier. And she's like, do you want me to say that? Uh, never, okay, guess not. (laughs) Um, Kate, repeat after
0: me. I'm not going to do anything stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't stupid. He got her down or she got him down, you know, good job for Kate.
0: I love it because I'm definitely on Kate's side here, but I can see Clint's frustration. (laughs) It made me think, has that tree ever been destroyed in any series? That might be a first. I think it's a first. Kate has made her place in cinematic television history.
1: Yeah. You know, there's going to be some goofy kid or adult because we can be pretty goofy that just like, hey, I wonder if that actually works. And they're going to go try it. I'm going to get a notification on my phone. Breaking news
0: Trey's in New York. (laughs) (sighs) I didn't mean to step over your joke. I honestly didn't know you were going to say the same thing. (laughs)
1: Looks like somebody knocked over the tree, but okay, Trey. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. (sighs) Ugh. So, no, and I, and I liked that they set it up because there was, there was a moment where they used the acid arrows to take down the stoplights. Um, and it didn't really, it didn't feel like it did anything. But I, and I get like the point, but the over the, the larger point was a using of the acid arrows. So like when you saw this moment, you knew what was happening and what she was using, you know? Uh, so yeah, so it, I'd like that it was uh, anytime they do something like that where, it pays off later and they've like showed it to you once before to like teach you like and and get you ready for another, another moment. I like,
0: I usually just eat that up. Yeah. It's growth. It's 100% growth. Well, I think we got one more thing to tackle before we move into the next most important topic. And one of the final things we got here in this section is after you described Kate's awesome hero moment where she has created all the smoke and distraction as she slides into Clint and they have their back-to-back arrow shot, uh, we see a wide variety of trick arrows, which feels like a culmination of everything we were building to as far as the fun side of being the hero has, has been concerned uh what did you think of some of those trick arrows that were on display
1: well first before i talk about the trick arrows that were on display two of my and it's so weird we're going to time travel real quick because we got to put out the as as of the recording bingo card friend not friend daniel family daniel bingo card um at the time of the recording two of my options are actually come from this scene for title for title things uh well I don't even know if this is going to make the poll at this point, but of the list of things, this no way is it time? Like, just that excitement of getting to use the trick arrows, uh, and then you know, Hawkeye, Kate, you know, let's let's give them hell. Um, you know, I love that. I, you know, which which arrow that I loved the most for some reason, and I think it was just because of how visual it was. Uh, it was the very first one, the magnet arrow.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was. Again, we've already seen it on display twice where Clint gets rid of the gun when he confronts Kazi. Kate gets rid of the gun when they have the trio fight on the apartment. This is the continuation on that, but raising the stakes by getting rid of all the guns from the tracksuit mafia. And that was so cool the way they did that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And And I think it was just because of the also the visual where like it magnetized all those flagpoles. And just the blue, just the way they visually showed that being magnetized, so you can, so you knew what was going on. Um, I just, I loved that. So that was that. I will say there's others that I liked, but that one was my favorite. Well, which one was your favorite?
0: I really enjoyed the airbag, which, yeah, it's funny that it's the one that I like the most because it's kind of comical. In a way, I think sometimes we would call out the shows for distracting, but the, like, just the idea or walking through the logic of when would he ever need an airbag arrow? And I guess it was that if you want to just take out multiple enemies at once, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the perfect combination of ridiculousness and usefulness, which feels like the trick arrows in a nutshell. So, okay. I find I've never
1: been shot with an arrow. <laughs> and I feel like it would hurt. Like I feel like I don't need to experience that to know that it would hurt. Um, I, I just I feel comfortable making that statement. The one that. I'm sorry, um, I,
0: I, <laughs> no, go ahead. I didn't mean to laugh over your point, but I don't think anybody has ever calmly stated I've never been shot with an arrow before. Well, I haven't. I wasn't um, expecting that.
1: Um, but and I said I've watched this episode three times now. The one that I every time I just cringe was the one where the guy got the frozen leg. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. As much as it hurts when I bang my shit on something, taking an arrow to the shin for some reason just makes me cringe. <laughs>
0: it's yeah. Like
1: I'm imagining an arrow like like that was I did, I'm imagining that wasn't a suction cup arrow. Nope. So like like that alone without the frozen part, I'm going down. Like I'm done.
0: I, you would I be just, the uh, the henchman in Iron Man Three. It's like, man, these people are so weird. I just started working here.
1: I just started working here. I, the pay's not even that good. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's just you
0: know, I used to like, be a henchman, but then I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's just that just visually seeing visually seeing that being shot in the knee in the in the shin. God, that must have hurt, and I don't know why that one of all, uh, all and none of them felt probably feel good, but that one for some reason, um, you know, and it's it, you know what I love about this show is how easy the the, the suspension of disbelief happens, right? Like, like we we talk about the we we joke about the Spider Man game of like I'm a friendly neighborhood Spider Man and I'm gonna basically kill somebody. You know, and when you're fighting in the game, it's like no one survives that punch or kick from Spider-Man. Man, getting shot with an arrow or even a trick arrow, even the airbag arrow, as high up as they're getting thrown and back down on the ground, they're taking some serious damage. But you don't think about it. It's just so much fun to watch the trick arrows. Um, and and again, I it's a suspension of disbelief, and I, I just it, it's it's it they they just find a good way to 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 be like what are they going to surprise us with next? You know, and that, and that's one of the things I love the most about that, that sequence.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I mentioned it in what was it, episode three or four where so often Clint's the butt of the joke of not being the strong Avenger, but because of the down to earth aspect of shooting an arrow, he ends up being the most brutal of the, the Disney plus shows so far, just the way those shots are depicted so i think having this trick arrow barrage is the only way to have such a big scene like this because it's got to have that like what i was talking about with the the airbag it's the combination of silly and useful so Mm -hmm. yeah i I get what you mean about it like it's it's a a suspension of disbelief couldn't find a way to work in the boomerang arrow. I really, I would have put money down. I thought we were going to see the boomerang arrow. I thought Clint was just trying to push Kate away and he would like, that would be like the, ah, okay. Yeah, you were hiding one this whole time kind of moment.
1: Well, because it's one of those things that they try to set up and it it felt like
0: they were going to set that up. Didn't happen. Not this time. There's always, cross my fingers, season two. Always season two. Yeah, because I mean, they definitely are going to need more time to go and speak to Scott Lang about what to do after they have minimized those tracksuit mafia.
1: And how terrifying was that?
0: Yeah. You know what was the oddliest creepy part about that? In the captions, whenever they are being picked up, it says small children screaming. Oh, trust
1: me. I watch it with the captions on. So if you did just subtitles, which you know is that a, hot, a van about the size of a Hot Wheels with small children in it screaming was taken away by an owl. Oh my gosh. What a way to go.
0: Yeah. Anyway, you want to move into the next most important topic? <laughs> man. <laughs> like we're going out on a high
1: note. They did way up high. <laughs> <laughs> Air's thin up there, man. Their lungs are small.
0: Uh, they'll be fine. It's, it's, it's pin magic. Well, like I said, I think we can go ahead and move into the next most important topic. Uh, this one is called splitting the arrow. So this is going to take us from the moment that Clint pulls off the wonderful shot of shooting two arrows, splitting them apart, and taking out almost three people, but Kazi catches it, and it denotes a split of three storylines in the show, which I thought was beautifully well done. So we have Kate, Fisk, and Eleanor. We have Maya and Kazi, and we have Clint and Yelena. Man. So where would you like to start? God, this is tough.
1: It, and I'm I'm truly meaning mean that.
0: There's some, there's some heavy hitters in here.
1: So yeah, I think the section I'm going to start with is Clint and Yelena. And I'm going to start by throwing the ball back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have your, your pre-spoiler thoughts where you said in your pre-spoiler thoughts and like what we publish on Twitter that you felt like they fumbled Clint's storyline and the the part that i that my head immediately went to was you know we, we brought this up with ellie from oh Shoot podcast you know and and i asked it with kind of a ridiculous but question because i knew the answer but i i just i wanted to hear it because i because as i was thinking through just the whole if we frame jack for it is that going to be satisfying or both no like that's not going to be a satisfying redemption to, to get away from Ronan and were you happy with Elena's change of heart with the whistle? Because I I saw somebody on Twitter uh, and I, I don't know if I kept the tweet. Uh, sometimes if I know I'm gonna you know, uh, bring it up on pod, I try to keep the tweet so we can refer to it. But, but the, but the complaint was, this is like Batman versus Superman's Martha, you know, like with all this anger and rage that, Elena's had, do we really believe she's going to stop at a whistle? It just was, it just got me thinking of like, Oh, you probably didn't see this as a satisfying redemption here or reason for him to stop or Elena going against the whole, well, it's your actions kind of not just fancy, nice words. Uh, so that's what I'm curious about. Like, like I liked the the whole sequence, but I, and I didn't have that feeling of them fumbling, uh, Barton's story. So that's I'm curious on, on on you. Was it the whistle? Was was that just? Or, you know what what part of it didn't
0: work? So this actually, I was 100% okay with. Uh, I really enjoyed this. And as you were were setting it up as this is the MCU's Martha, there is a part of me that when I saw the whistle sequence, the first thing I thought of was. In WandaVision, for people who have been following us since then, I said it was a magic trick in episode eight that they were able to pull off that revelation of Wanda having this love for sitcoms, and that was the backdrop for her grief-taking physical manifestation within the show, and... I called it a magic trick because it shouldn't have worked. You retrofitted an idea to a character, but they sold me on it and I believed it. I'm feeling a similar thing here, especially with the way Clint is like your sister. She talked about you a lot, you know, the way she flew that plane. I don't think it's as elegant as they did in WandaVision, like the retrofitting of this character's history. But the thing that separates it for me from being it, being the Martha. Silliness is it's not just that moment. I think Clint is actually using Yelena's logic about it's not the nice words, it's what you do that defines you by showing Yelena, it was Natasha's choice. This is the choice she made. And despite Yelena's rage being, you know, she wants to hear, like, I did this, I killed Natasha, whatsoever. Clint's pointing to them both knowing the kind of person that Natasha is, the actions that she took, the sacrifices that she would have made. And despite Yelena not wanting to believe it and continuing to fight, because, I mean, you mentioned it last week. If this show was called Maya, there's no reason for Maya to believe Clint when he was talking about, you know, we're weapons. And you, you illustrated that perfectly. We got that here because Yelena straight up calls him a liar and they build up to it wonderfully with the way the music swells and then they cut to some of these other storylines. But we keep coming back and you see how because Clint has framed it as these are the actions that we know Natasha to take, Yelena starts to come down a bit. And the moment that is just heartbreaking and beautiful in Florence Pugh's part is, you know, anger is the mask that sorrow wears and you hear her sorrow break through when she says, you got so much time with her and we finally get to the core of why is so angry mm-hmm. and yeah. that's why she wants to believe Clint did what he did and when she's finally able to admit, I'm just upset because I don't get this time with my sister anymore, man, oh, that scene was so good. Yeah
1: that that line was really heartbreaking yeah just and the yeah the the whimper oh yeah and and that was thank you that was fantastic um <laughs> it just because because it just i couldn't place like like there and i was like because for me that scene was so wonderful just and who knows maybe i'm misremembering it but like hawkeye didn't fight back
0: Yeah. You see a shift. It becomes defensive and and it's, it's winter Captain America, winter soldier. I'm not going to fight you. And he drops the shield.
1: Right. He didn't, you know, he, he was like, nice to finally meet you. Uh, I mean, we've seen him, he could hold his own if he needed to. And he didn't, you know, he was just like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fight you. You know, was, was, was the, was the feeling. And him just being honest and just saying, Hey, you know, this is the person I knew her to be. And, or, well, in the moment of honesty of just saying like, you know, tell me, you know, what happened. And he's like, that's not going to matter. You know? And he's right. It's not like, it's not going to matter. That's not going to be helpful um, for, for Yelena. Um, and it's so funny. Cause that's, we always, humans we're so weird we always feel like knowledge (laughs) i mean we do we feel like that knowledge will make these things if i just know if i know something the not knowing is the worst you kind of kind of stuff and and i know i'm talking out of my element because there's probably people that that have had horrific things happen to them and and knowing does give some kind of closure you, you know what i mean um and the knowing helps but but just that idea that like we want to know and we, we have such a desire to know uh, things and don't want to be, you know, left in the dark, so to speak. When there, when a lot of times it doesn't change anything, you know, it, it, like like that knowledge doesn't necessarily make the feelings go away. We still have to wrestle with them. Um, you know? So yeah, it's, it was, it was wonderfully written. It was wonderfully done.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's what we talked about in Shang-Chi where, the thing you think you're looking for in Shang-Chi's case of thinking, I have to kill my father, like to get to that moment to know you're capable of doing it and realizing that's not actually what you're looking for. That's Yelena's story here. It wouldn't have brought her the closure she thought she needed. And, you know, I, there is a part of me that does feel like this came a little quick as far as the resolution goes, but I'm overall happy with it because I think. I'm, I'm, at least I'm glad they didn't end it like, oh, hugs and make amends. Everything's better between them. She understands, but it's not like they're on good terms. She just walks away. And, you know, I, I, I know we talked about it about potentially both of us are going to be putting our writer's hat on. This is what I was looking for from the maya Clint interaction from last week. Um, you know, I, I talked about it in the pre-spoiler thought and how I thought they fumbled Clint's story. Um, And, you know, upon sitting down to take notes, I realized, okay, my issues mainly with the previous episode, not necessarily this one in particular, because clearly I've been glowing so far throughout this entire review. But we get that moment where Clint just straight up says, I'm sorry to Yelena. And he doesn't even have direct fault in what he's apologizing for, but he's showing empathy. The fact that Yelena doesn't even have to forgive him, but there's just still this understanding between them. I wish that's what they would have done in the Maya Clint scene because as much work as they've done of getting Clint to this vulnerable place, getting this place where he's understandable, I don't personally feel we saw him make amends for Ronan. Uh, There's no possible way that I think he could completely do away with what he's done as the the character Ronan but at least starting with saying Maya I'm sorry that I caused this pain on you this is why I did it mm-hmm. we just didn't get that and that's my right. problem with the show they had zero scenes in this episode to and put in perspective sense.
1: for me No 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 that makes sense like you're right they had zero scenes and like you could argue he didn't get the opportunity to say sorry because Maya wasn't having it, and as he was talking, she kicked the sword to the side and, and attacked him. Like you could make that argument. Um, the problem I have with that argument really is when you get into uh, and and at, well, let me rephrase that. Before I, the problem I have with that argument is it also would make sense that Barton intended to apologize and was going to, and Maya overcome still with the anger and you know what I mean? And you're a liar kind of stuff. Like, like that would make sense for her character as well. However, outside of the world and you think get into the writer's room. That's an act of choice. Yep. You know what I mean? And and so that that's was, why I call it a fumble. It, yeah. And so that was one of those things where it's like, you could have, you know, yeah, you could have had that apology. I I agree with you on that. Well, cool.
0: I was really worried I was gonna go into this episode being the bad guy, but I'm glad I made my case, <laughs> at least for the, for the host here. Yeah. No, no, no. You're uh, like, like that. That is a completely fair fumble. Mm-hmm. That, and I think that was my friend. Cause I even talked about it with you. Uh, it was so close. It was so close to being my favorite Disney Plus show, and I, that that aspect of it is the only thing that kept it from being the the number one spot. Even with you explaining
1: that to me and me agreeing with you, it's still doesn't knock it down a peg for me. Cool. I'm just gonna be honest. Like you didn't ruin it for me. Good. But I do, I do, I do agree with you that like, yeah, they could have had that moment in there, but then you start running into, okay, let's, uh, I'm going to be careful. Cause then we can go over this again in the wrap up episode, I guess. But like, this was the previous um, episode, but then you do get into the moment of like, no, I think it would work for a character. He apologizes. Then she'd kicks the sword away, you know, in other words, you're balancing a scene of also how do you want Maya being portrayed because we know that she's not the bad person, you know, like we agree with Hawkeye, a weapon, you know, and being pointed. And so it's it's like, how do you want to portray that person as as well?
0: But no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on board. Well, let's let's put a pin on that and we can pick it back up in the wrap up episode. All right, cool. We'll do that. Yeah. You know, we've got two more options here. We can go with the Maya-Kazi scene, or we can go with the Kate, Eleanor, and Fisk scene. Um, If I can choose, I think we could go to the Kate, Eleanor, and Fisk scene, and that will let us wrap up nicely with Maya and Kazi. Um, You know, last week, you put it in a way that I didn't initially feel but I started to understand your point that Fisk felt like a distraction it should have been this huge emotional moment for Kate to realize that her mom is this person that she didn't expect after all and yet we were all talking about Fisk Um, Mm -hmm. I know for me personally the fact that they pitted Kate against Fisk reclaimed some of that momentum And made it more about her that I I could see what was missing at the previous episode. Did that come across for you or were you still feeling like it was a distraction overall?
1: Was was Fisk a distraction overall?
0: Yeah. Or did having Kate defend her mom against Fisk kind of bring that back into more of her story's focus?
1: Okay. I think having Kate defend her mom against Fisk brought it, you're right, brought it back more into, it's Kate's story focused. However, I still think they misused Fisk and that a previous episode and even in this episode.
0: I agree, the Hawaiian shirt, continue. Okay. I'm Um, I'm kidding. (laughs) Look, when you're as powerful as Fisk, you wear whatever you want. Dude, I was, in a matter of him ripping that door open and remembering how vicious of a person he was and then him bending down and wearing that dumb hat, ugh. Okay, continue. <laughs> he was out of the town. <laughs> it's cold out there. He has a bald head. Would you want to oh. have on the beanie? It's, his clothes got progressively worse from the start of the episode to the end. Like, what do you? Would you want a, like a red beanie with two little horns sticking out of it? I don't know. I don't know what I want. It's good, except it sucks. That's me and the Disney Plus. Show. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Okay, Star Lord. So, yeah. Okay. So, I just think they misused Fisk, and it, and this is why I feel like they either wrote him in late because got to use him, or they just got enamored with this idea of using Fisk, and like just forgot that oh hey that this is going to overwhelm, or I, I don't know. So, oh well. Here's where it's why it's one B versus one A. Is you in in Loki they were able to introduce Kang. Right, and have him as that large looming presence, and find a way to kill him in such a way that we know Kang's coming back. And the killing of Kang was a part of the Loki Sylvie story, and I think they could have ended this with wrapping up all of their stories with his involvement, but but didn't need to go that far. So, for example, like if I if I was going to rewrite this. I would say the Fisk Maya Kazi scene takes place more towards and huh. I would make that take, I don't know exactly where in the episode more towards the end I would think, but I like, I don't think I would have put them in a position where Maya had to kill Kazi. I think Kazi, you know, cause there was this moment of like, this is my life. It shouldn't have been your life. Okay. And so I get that right. Like, Oh, You care for her. This shouldn't have been your life. It's turned into there. But like at that point, it was like, I felt like you could have had a turn of like, like, cause there was that we all Kate sensed it. Other people sensed it, this tension between the two of them. Like, why did he go so hard at Maya for Fisk? It just didn't make sense for me. And it would have made more sense if Fisk killed Kazi when like, Either Fisk goes after Maya some way and, and like Kazi gets in the way or Kazi refuses Fisk for Maya and Fisk kills Kazi and and then leaves. So we get that, Oh crap. Kind of moment with Fisk and it, and it kind of fuels and drives Maya more like, like, like I think, I think for the purposes of this show, shifting Maya from Ronan to Fisk is sufficient enough resolution. And you could have done it in a way that you killed off Kazi, but Maya didn't have to do it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I, I see what you mean.
1: And I feel like the resolution of Kate and and Mom could have been done without a fight with Fisk. Like, I, I just... like Like, Fisk is powerful enough that he didn't need to murder the chauffeur. The chauffeur probably worked for him anyways, you know? So like she gets in the car and you have the classic trope of like, send me here. Wait, where are we going? You know? And like, Mr. Fisk wants to see you. And then use one more trick arrow from Kate and Kate saves her mom from an eventual, eventual meeting with Fisk. But then, but then, you have your typical, you're your not typical, you have your in that we had, I'm going to do the right thing, and mom gets arrested, you know? Um, and then that makes things far more complicated, because Kate's, like, down the line, because Kate's doing the right thing, but the ramifications of her mom being arrested and not showing up to the fist meeting, like, like she did a good thing, and there's foreseeable consequences, but there's also those unforeseeable consequences That we see and know because Fisk is out there, you know, like, like then you have a much more intimidating Fisk and, and we don't just have, you know, otherwise what we have is like, well, Kate just went from Fisher Price Mafia to taking, you know, standing one-on-one with Fisk. Like
0: it, it just, it was too much too quick. Well, first off, you don't know how happy you made me bringing back Fisher Price Mafia. because That's really good. (laughs) Um, and second, you know, I, I set this up as as talking about Kate and Eleanor and Fisk, but I, I'm going to pivot and start with my Kazi my, uh, notes as the first thing I want to respond to. The only thing that I have, and it's because this is something I picked up on, I think it was last episode, you know, you t- you talked about not understanding or not seeing why they needed to be a confrontation with each other. There's been a subtle storyline of the jealousy that Kazi has for Maya being the one to take charge of the tracksuit mafia. Um, We talked about it last episode about like that being a potential reason why he was questioning her leadership in episode three, where he's like, yeah, you are running the tracksuit mafia, but your father never would have done this. He openly states it in their confrontation. It was never supposed to be you. This is my world. And I think he really was expecting to be the one to take charge. He was the second in command. And I can see, again, we never get confirmation for it, but I can see the plan of, okay, let's get rid of the father. I take charge. But that's not how it played out. And so there's this elements of jealousy. and, And the actor fraffy himself he talked about he is there in that karate class with young maya so i think even though they probably like i would have liked a little bit more you know we always talk about the hand holding or, or trusting us i think i would have liked a little bit more hand holding of demonstrating he was there because it then becomes a lot more poetic that here we are seeing them fight again where we first saw them as children in the karate class and it eventually puts them here against each other because of the way life has taken, yeah. has taken its winding turns.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is definitely some hand-holding that I would have appreciated there because I don't think I realized he was in the karate class.
0: The only reason I know is because he talked about it in an interview, uh, which I can link to in the show notes. Well, um, and, and
1: again, the tension, now it makes me... that do that like recontextualize the tension in that line by Kate Bishop, she's like, did you see a sense of tension between them? Like was, was that in like Amity when she watched it, she was like, are they a couple? Are they, are they a thing? Like, like what, what's going on here? And that's how I read that line. Like there's some interest there, but that could also be a tension in the sense of the who's in charge tension. And I just did not read it that way all the way back to that to that episode. And so like they could like so so like they could have been laying the groundwork that I just read it completely differently.
0: Well, I think there's elements of both. I think that's what makes their dynamic complicated because I think Maya feels for him in that relationship way And I think he does too, but he still has those goals that are conflicting with what he wants to do because he has those moments like, I can't walk between both worlds. I can never leave this. I can't just run with you. This is who I am. This is what I want. And so part of me wonders, because again, we see the stab, we see him on the ground. I don't know, are they leaving it up as a potential, like this is the only way he could walk away from this moment without fist questioning him? Where you see sometimes in, like, mafia shows where, like, oh, you know, you have to take the bullet so it looks like you put up a fight kind of thing. That was another potential way I was reading this with Kazi because it's not 100% he's dead. Maybe, like, 98% he's dead. But that's what I read because of that feeling of, like, I couldn't escape this world if I wanted to.
1: Yeah. See, I took it as he's dead. Yeah. You know. Um, they could always. No, they couldn't. If they did this, I'd be upset, um, actually. Like, they could always do, like, oh, they faked it, so Fisk would think he's dead. But I don't think that... I would be... I would not be okay with it.
0: I would be okay if it's the take some damage so it looks like you put up a fight, but I don't want it to be, like, this is the way he got out. Yeah. That's where I fall on that.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to fall on that arrow. Um... (laughs) Uh, so yeah, like, yeah, I, I'm, I get I get all that. I just didn't read it that way. And maybe because I didn't read in those that way, that's why I had such a big problem with it and why I felt like Kazi was such a, a, a turn here on this, on this episode from what we've seen previous.
0: Yeah. They could have done more for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, but that, but again, that's how I felt like you could have done better utilize Wilson Fisk. You know, he didn't need to get that involved simply having that menacing presence in the back. Uh, And what I mean by that involved, like you could have, there's a number of different ways you could have done this, you know, Um, whether it's just basic henchmen, hench people, hench, whatever, you know, the, the, the people that work for him that goes and does his dirty work, whether you just had him and there's some dialogue, bring me Eleanor and Kate stops it. You know, there's there's a ways of doing it, but I, I think at the end, he just got too involved. He didn't need to be that way. So, I mean, he took an arrow. I'm assuming he's a big man. I'm assuming he's, he's wearing some kind of like flack jacket or whatever, you know, hundred oh, percent. Um, curious to see how he gets out of the gunshot. Cause you know that they didn't kill him. Uh, that's the, that's the other problem with my scene with that, with that scene at the end for me is like, it doesn't feel like a resolution for Maya. Because I'm not convinced that he's dead. And if he actually is dead, then that is a complete fumble and misstep of how to use Kingpin.
0: I would be shocked if he's dead. I would be too. Because
1: but 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 that's the other thing is
0: not for the good reasons.
1: Right. But like I would be shocked too. And and but like if he's not you don't really give in Maya's character, any resolution or end in this story, you know, cause otherwise like you have, Oh, a shifted focus to the, really the person who's responsible for killing dad. Right. But the vengeance is still there, but at least it's shifted to the right person, you know, or a quote unquote, right person. If we had the apology scene, but this scene gives it as if, Oh, we got, she got her revenge. She got to kill this guy. But we know no one believes he's actually dead. So, what does that mean for that character within the series? So that that's why it's just that, that seems so problematic in in that way.
0: That's, her character growth was with Clint, not Fisk. Right. That's where that's where it was supposed to be. Um, I won't. We can again. I'll save that for the wrap up. I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole. But I'm with you. I. I know this is going to sound contradictory because I just talked about the potential of like, oh, maybe this was a way for Kazi to be able to be around Fisk without him questioning having taking that damage with the arrow. But on the Fisk side of things, I I never want to see the camera pull away gunshot fake out again because it's just not satisfying. Like the two options we have is it's clear he's coming back and for whatever series he'll be back or two we're just delaying something until the next show starts and it's that's not that's cliffhanger for cliffhanger's sake i think there's no momentum in it and so i just i don't like it i'm done with it i don't want to see that used anymore so for all the uh the story writers and and the showmakers out there here's my one stance yeah (laughs) as if it has weight but uh I do want to speak some positives because it, it does feel like we've been over not overly critical, but we've been pretty critical here at the end. Um, you know, regardless of the use of Fisk, I do like what it speaks about Kate because she was holding her own against him in that toy shop. Um, you know, you talked about going from the Fisher Price Mafia to the Kingpin himself. They demonstrated it so well in the way she goes flying across the room every time he, even at first where he's not even hitting her, he's just deflecting her off him. And she goes flying to demonstrate the disparity in their strength. And yet she keeps getting back up. And that is, that's the, the superhero moment of uh, another one of her superhero moments.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't mean like, Oh, she was able to, because like that's big guy and this is little Kate. Like I've, that I don't care. I'm perfectly fine with. You can go stand up to him. It was just the evolution we see in that what you did with the track suit mafia, you got to face Yelena and Yelena wasn't trying to kill you. You're an obstacle in my way. And then you get to have this. And, and so you're you're seeing Kate level up. And all of a sudden this is supposed to be this menace- you know Wilson Fisk was supposed to be this menacing person it's like it's like wait a minute you just skipped a couple
0: of levels to get here does that make sense it does make sense the saving grace i think i genuinely don't believe fisk was trying to kill kate I think he was reading her as like, you are no threat to me. I'm not even giving you the respect you deserve to try and put you down. He's squatting her like a fly. And his mistake is that he's not fully on guard. So when he steps to her and she pulls off, Rob was right, Chekhov's coin flip, she pulls off her hero moment there. So she takes advantage of him not respecting her as a threat. Yeah.
1: No, and, that's, and that makes sense. That's fair.
0: So th- And that's just my read of the scene. You know, and,
1: and he... And he... And he has that line. You are starting to annoy me, like yeah, yeah, oh so, yeah.
0: And again, I didn't take it as like you were were questioning because I mean, it's the superhero shows, right? Like questioning, like oh, that's not realistic. Like she's here f- fending off him. I see what you mean about feeling gr- too quick as far as the leveling up goes. But for me, the reason it worked is because I think it was just the lack of care that he was giving to her as a threat. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Shall we spend our Christmas with the Bartons?
0: No. Okay. We got one more thing to talk about. We do? Before we can go to the holiday party. Okay. Yeah. I like parties. The (laughs) Anyway, we got one more thing to cover. At least I do. And uh, that is the resolution with Eleanor and Kate. Man, the thing that makes Eleanor such a compelling character is that you almost start to become sympathetic for her. At least I did, because we learned how the reason she got involved was because after her husband is gone, she fell into the debts that he owed to the Kingpin. And even though he's quick to point out that like, hey, you know, you've made pretty good for yourself too, even after you've repaid those debts, you can almost see the way she was trying to live this dual life of being tied to this mafia while giving her daughter a good life. However, my skin crawled in the way that she was talking down to Kate in that, you know, you can't just keep living these lives without consequences as she's literally trying to argue her way out of being held accountable for what she's done with the police sirens growing. And then she turns from being sympathetic to being the villain and says, says to Kate, is this what heroes do arrest their mothers on Christmas? God. is <laughs> so good, but God, I hated it. Yeah.
1: Well, and it just <sighs> shows how manipulative she is. Yeah. You know, and it's gaslighting. Yeah. And I love it. Um, it. It was so, it was good. It was so good. But for me again, God, it's so weird because I truly, genuinely mean that this is 1B to Loki's 1A as far as the finales go. Um, my favorite show was Wandavision, and I'm gonna put this right up there with it, maybe ahead of it. It sounds weird, but I feel like they landed the finale far better than the Wandavision finale. Um, but I go back to that fist being a distraction for that moment, you know, because you have you're right, it was just all of that that conversation, but but it, it's kind of like this is after the big fight with Fisk. It's kind of it. It just felt so much like an afterthought. To to we got to have this action sequence in here, and and so yeah, that and even the cool thing with the trick arrows. Well, that's your typical Marvel. Like we got to have that. It didn't feel like that for me. The way the Fisk Kate Bishop fight felt like that. So. So, yeah, but no, you're right. Like, it was so good, but it felt downplayed for me on my, by the overall show. I gotcha. But, yeah, like, she could have waited to Boxing Day, <laughs> December 26th.
0: Well, you know what? Before we get to December 26th, let's get to December 25th. And as you so eloquently stated... Let's spend Christmas with the Bartons, which is our next most important topic and is going to take us through the scenes where Clint has finally held to his promise, made it home in time for Christmas and has brought a couple of strays with him as well. Uh, Starting with me this time, I think the thing that I walked away from in this final scene is realizing how much emotion they have been able to get out of Clint's farm. In three appearances, Age of Ultron, in-game, and now Hawkeye. Like, mm-hmm. that location-
1: Infinity War. No, it was in-game. Okay, never mind.
0: Yeah, that location has be- quickly become such a standout in the MCU, which this could be a topic for another day, but of, like, so few lo- locations, I think. There's not a lot of homesteads in the MCU. Well,
1: in and in the fact, at least from in-game to this one, that they got the same place helped. You know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah, I thought that was worth noting. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: because it it immediately you're like, oh, that's where that's the side door he snuck in an in game to grab the baseball glove, and
0: there's the barn where Nick Fury was hiding. Yeah, like like it 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 was great. So there's really two quick things that we can talk about, and I'm going to start with this one because outside of you know patting ourselves on the back, we were right. Laura was a former agent and that explains a lot of her involvement and know-how and working partnership with Clint. Agent 19. This is a huge moment in the MCU because it is one of the first times that we have seen a overwrite of a character. if, If that's a fair way to put it in the revelation that the watch is designated 19 agent 19, which is mockingbird, which is who Laura is in the MCU despite the fact that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has treaded this ground already. How did that make you feel, if anything at all, to see that Laura is Agent 19?
1: I liked it. I'm happy with it. I mean, we, I, you knew it was going to be some kind of an agent. Um, I liked the little banter back and forth, take care of your stuff. <laughs> Look who's talking, you know? And, and I don't think that's <laughs> the line she said right back, but it was just, yeah, take care of your stuff, um, you know? Um, but in the, you know... Married way it was, it was fantastic. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's Agent 19. Um, I'm, and, and that's the way we're going to go. I enjoyed that character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I thought it was fantastic. You do run into, you know, you step out of in world stuff and you start questioning. And here's again, my grudge against Morbius. Morbius, is that right? <laughs> Yes. Every time I say Morbius, I think Morpheus. Morbius. Um, I think Mobius. Yeah, I don't do that to to Mobius. Just Morpheus. Um, (laughs) Well, because he he should have died in the first original Matrix. And anyways, that's a whole other issue. Stay on target. As much as I liked that part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that character specifically in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I I know that when they're picking characters and, and stuff, they want a variety of skill sets. And like visually on screen, you know, to show off Iron Man and, and Cap and what they're animating and visual effects. And oh, these two characters are similar. So we want to have them, you know, when you're thinking about those dynamics and those types of things and doing it this way just works better than to have another agent. I mean, we're following Agent Carter, now the power broker. You have Clint Barton, Hawkeye. Passing on the mantle of Hawkeye to Kate Bishop, we have Black Widow. Um, you're going to have Monica Rambeau, and it's just like, do you want another prominent human agent running around? You know, the answer is probably no. You know what I mean? Um, in terms of thinking, in terms of the variety of skill sets that that you're going to have on screen, so Mockingbird's not really a character that's probably going to be used. And so I think this is a really cool nod to Hawkeye and th- that comic line where they were married and all of that. So yeah, I thought it
0: was great. It affirms where I've always landed when it comes to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because not again, not to discredit, a lot of fan base for that show, a lot of love. At one point it was designated to be in canon with the shows, but as time has gone on and the inner workings of studio politics, it has not been the case as much towards the end but it affirms what I felt where it is canon until otherwise stated. And I appreciate the overstatement it makes here because I like the history that it leads like, you know, so often I talk about a lived in world that lived in world. It creates between Clint and Laura, AKA mockingbird is it, it leaves room for the imagination. And i like that a lot.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now it does Mm -hmm. make me wonder, are we going to get to see some flashbacks? is she going to get to actually have some action cuz you know Linda Cardellini's fantastic um but I it's a good way to do it mm-hmm. yeah
0: well the final thing i think we got with Christmas with the Bartons is the final scene where they are burning the ronin suit and they are joking back and forth about what Kate's new name should be lady hawk hawkshot and so on i like um, hawkshot by the way Hawkshot was pretty good. I like that one a lot. Uh it does have a hockey feel to it, but of all the names listed, Hawkshot was pretty did good. Did you just say it has a hockey feel, <laughs> name feel to it? I did. Okay. Yeah. Like And I pro- I'm not making a joke off a of Hawk and Host. Oh no, I'm no, no about you like are the sport hockey. No, no,
1: no. You, compl- no, I pro- you completely <laughs> said H A W K Y. Oh. Or I Alright,
0: cool. That's what I said.
1: Oh, That's man. my head but you know, I.
0: I- <laughs> Oh, man. You know, I I just want to say I spotlighted in the beginning of this episode how I felt like Clint saying we're partners was less him truly believing it, but trusting her to grow into it. This scene feels like another affirmation of that for me, because despite knowing and trusting that she is capable... Kate still gets to be that thorn in his side with the way that he just antagonizes her. Or he, she antagonizes him with the silly, goofy names that is trivial to the superhero side. But Kate gets to enjoy that part, too, and I love it. Yeah. Hawkeye. Okay.
1: No, she's for, forever she will be Kate Bishop in Yelena's voice. <laughs> oh, That's- Kate Bishop. That's that's her, that's her superhero Avenger name, Kate Bishop, but in Yelena's voice.
0: Uh-huh. So good. Also worth noting, one of the important parts of the scene is the Ronin suit's being burned, and that's not the thing we've reached to to talk about. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, that happened,
0: didn't it? <laughs> but I digress. I'll leave it for the wrap-up episode. No,
1: leave it for the wrap-up episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's going to wrap up the important topics for this episode, which leaves us stray thoughts. So Jude, did you have any stray thoughts for this episode?
1: Uh, I had a couple and I'm going to, I'm going to make them quick. Um, I love that there was foam LARPing swords on the wall at Grills house. Uh, making the trick arrows was a good scene. You know, we talked about that. I got to double check if I'm remembering right. I think the the song that was playing sounded very similar, if not the same. To the song playing during Home Alone when he was, Kevin was setting up all his traps. I want to go double check that because I think it was. Um, last one, when Kate, when Elena shoved Kate against the glass wall and started sliding her down with her face smudged, and you hear the streaking, <laughs> that was hilarious.
0: <laughs> so good. And
1: of course, Jack, you know, enjoying his moment it was great.
0: <laughs> the fact. I I completely misread him this entire season, but the fact that he is Kate grown up and just wants his own superhero moment, for all the ways I feel he's a doofus, I love that at least. That was a swerve I was not expecting. (laughs) Oh, man. So firing through some of my stray thoughts pretty quickly, you know, again, I've already lamented how much I did not like Fisk's attire in this episode, but whenever the Hawaiian shirt is first debuted, there's a part of me that feels like he wasn't entirely expecting Maya to show up. So my own personal canon is that Fisk and Kazi were having their own Hawaiian themed Christmas party. And that's why he's dressed up because they totally have like decorations in the background for something. So they had prior plans to Maya uh, disrupting them. Uh, another stray thought love how Jack made fun of Amon the seventh for peeing at the Hamptons. That's the Jack that I want to see more of. Like, I understand we needed the misdirects, but man, I would have liked some more of that angle of him just being a petty wannabe superhero. (laughs) 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 Oh, uh, this one's trivial at the very beginning of the episode where Clint and Kate are discussing what they're going to do after the fallout of Eleanor's revelation revelation. Uh, The coffee mugs they have are totally coffee mugs that I've used for props in my own side gig as a uh, product photography with coffee. And I thought that was cool. And finally, uh, to play off what you were saying about the face against the glass, you know, Kate has checked off a lot of inaugural MCU first. The first one being, being able to fall from an incredibly high place and not take any damage. And the second one being, being uh, shoved across a glass mirror comedically, which seems to be something that happens to Thor a lot. So she's, uh, she's checking off that MCU list pretty quickly.
1: Yes, very much so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that will wrap up our stray thoughts, which will leave us with our listeners first takes. And again, this is, it's always bittersweet when we get to the end of a series, because I know we're not going to be able to do this for a while, but once again, Thank you all so much for chiming in with your first takes because these are genuinely fun to read. And that being said, uh, this one starts with Just Mr. Melt from Twitter, and it reads, Great bow for the gift that is this season. Everything felt neatly wrapped and even included a few little extras that really made it one of the best things to receive this year. One great extra was Hawaiian shirt Fisk. So I may disagree you with that. Just Mr. Melt, I'm with you. You're Fisk, you wear what you want. He's one step away from being the oh yeah I'm busting through the the freaking wall like a Kool Aid man. No,
1: he is. I'm Kingpin. I set the
0: trends. <laughs> Speaking of the trend, it's your turn. <laughs> You're so bitter. Like oh my gosh, I don't like it. If this
1: if this would have happened in January, this is the new truck. <laughs> Oh, if this would have happened in January, this is the new truck and I'd be like sending you Hawaiian churches gifts from Ken on Twitter. Great episode. It is my favorite end to a Disney plus MCU show by far. Very satisfying and season appropriate. I'm also really glad that Marvel sort of granted my request from episode one in the mid-credit scene. Yeah, I am really happy about that, that they added the mid-credit scene at the end too. Completely agree with you on the favorite end uh, to Disney, Plus. I said, right there with Loki. I will say, I agree with them though, in that I thought they were going to use I'll Be Home for Christmas. Um, you know, you can count on me as the song pulling in, and they didn't a little disappointed in that his prediction there didn't come true.
0: You know what? I changed my mind. They completely dropped the ball. This is the worst Disney... (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, Moving along, uh, this one comes in from Ben.Maddy on Insta, and it reads, an amazing finale to an amazing show. And uh, you know, again, I I talked about on my pre-spoiler thoughts about being a little disappointed, but overall it's hard to deny that this is one of the better finales of the Disney Plus shows uh,
1: from friend Daniel on Instagram. Love the emotional beats and ready for season two. They need to announce it already.
0: I'm surprised they uh, haven't.
1: Right for yeah, I will be okay if they don't announce the season two. If they announce the movie, but one of them has to be announced soon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> if I don't get my show, I'll be happy if I get my movie. <laughs> but either way, I have my demands, Kevin Feige. All right, that sounds like my turn. Overall, good, but I have a few issues with the watch and that mid-credit scene from Caption Life on Insta. Uh, It is very fitting that we have made it all the way to the end of the listener's first takes, and we have not, on our part, discussed the mid-credit scene of the full Rogers the Musical thing. So I think we might be there with you on how we felt about that as a mid-credit scene. So,
1: real quick, I'm... Happy with the mid credit scene because everybody I talked to was like, "Oh, I want to see it. I want to see this. I want to see this," and they gave it to us. And so I can't complain about it. Uh, it doesn't feel like we got an in credit scene in the traditional sense, and so and this is the second ep- second series in a row with Loki uh, again live action uh, where we didn't get an in credit scene that really is going to propel anything forward. Because um, I'm sorry, it's just a stamp of season two. That's that was part of the yeah no. Um here's how they could have fixed it in one of three ways. A, they could have had Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lily in the crowd, and Paul just like shaking his head and saying like that was a tough day. And Evangeline and Lily looking at him like you weren't even there <laughs> with him on the stage. Like they they that should have been a quick cut, you know, because uh, you know, A Man and the Wasp is finished production. Um they could have Done that quick shot for them. Uh, or they could have had Tatiana Mislani and Mark Ruffalo in the crowd and do some kind of comment because She Hulk's coming out soon. And finally, this is the one I think they really should have gone with, but this is where Helena and Kate get their girls' night and you have them in the crowd. And then Yelena says the line, "They're such posers right there at the end and everybody <laughs> clapping. So like any of those three makes that in mid credit, a hundred percent better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's my fix. You know,
0: you talked about how everybody on social media was saying, give, give me the full thing. I want the full thing. And so you can't complain about it. You know how kids sometimes want dessert before dinner. You still don't give the dessert, even though that's what they ask until after dinner. And this was us getting the dessert before dinner dinner. I wasn't. I was. I have not rewatched it since my original uh, viewing. And it's just like it's neither here nor there. I just I wish it would have been something more. Your fixes, I think, definitely would have had me warm up to it a little bit more. But like, I don't know. I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. No, I get it. It's it's okay.
1: Like I, <laughs> I had you know, to be the villain at some no, point No, I'm with you. Cause I like, I, I've seen it three times, but two of them, I didn't go rewatch the musical number, you know? So I, I agree with you on that. Like I, you know, um, I just don't, I'm just not as down on it as I think as every is, as, as I'm seeing. Um, there's people with me that, yeah, I'm glad we got it. I loved it. Um, but yeah, I'm not rewatching it.
0: Yeah. I won't hold it against the show. Like, but it's, I'm a little disappointed. But we're spoiled. How, how many hours of MCU content have we gotten this entire year? So. A ton. <laughs> oh, man. Well, again... Thank you all so much for chiming in with your first takes. It has been an absolute blast to get to read these on the show. Um, I know it's going to be a while before we get to do this, but if you're listening and you want to get in on this at some point, you can always follow us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram, which is a great way to keep a lookout for our call to actions when it comes to chiming in with these.
1: Yeah. And do us a favor. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend Join our Discord. Make sure you click on the roll assign and the eye emojis to have access to all the spoiler channels.
0: And of course, if you could be so kind, uh, leave us a rating and review. You know, normally we say to do it on whatever podcast platform of your choice is, but I want to highlight that Spotify has finally allowed people to start rating the show. So if you're listening on Spotify, if you can go ahead and give us a star rating, we would greatly appreciate it uh, because that could help booster our results uh, in the search history. And of course... We'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next year. Boom! That's an episode. So, starting with you, Jude, is there anywhere you'd like to start in particular?
1: Oh, um, let's see. Party preparations. I love that. <laughs> I love the cri- the title first off. We did for the section just because uh-huh. the whole Christmas theme, right? Of because uh, like okay, Blech. can you edit all that out? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because that was just like <laughs> I had like six thoughts all happen at once, and just I couldn't do it. Okay. <laughs>
0: My favorite, like, there's no better demonstration of how all six thoughts happen at once where there wasn't a breath between that last stumble and edit this out. <laughs> you became you became T'Challa. Delete that footage. <laughs> yes, that's exactly,
1: exactly what happened. Uh.
0: All right. <laughs> so I guess if you want to just start over from the, uh, where do you want to start? Yeah, I'll
1: just... Yeah, I'm going to start over from there.